Lucky you. 36 best holes in golf. Alternate Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about golf. Sandy. Poker. James Bond. Horse racing. Double. Classic movies. Zenyatta. We have no script. Down the stretch they come. We are glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. (laughs) Billy, uh, wow. Next week is the Masters, and I'm getting excited. I know that you have a few stories. What are your remembrances from Augusta National from the Masters, in my opinion, the greatest sporting event ever? Do you disagree or do you agree? Oh, I totally agree. There's nothing like it doesn't matter who sitting down with family on a Sunday for the Masters or everybody's watching it that likes golf. And it, it's such a magnificent vid, visually place that, you know, I'm jealous of anybody that gets to play there. <clears throat> and that came home and hit me square in the forehead when I went in 1995. I was lucky enough to go and I walked in. My, it was like, this place is awesome. But within minutes, I was depressed because it came as like the, just an absolute sudden realization. I can't even hit a ball on the range here. I can just watch. And it was, it was great to watch. And in fact, <clears throat> that year was Tiger Woods' uh, uh, debut as an amateur at the Masters. And we were on one of the par threes on the front nine. And it was the practice round. So I was, was it the practice round of the first day? It might've been day one. That would be either the fourth hole or the sixth hole. The fourth hole is a very long shot. The sixth hole is kind of a shot where you, you're up high. And you... No, this was the fourth hole. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a freelance cameraman with the big camera on his shoulder directly behind the, t- the pin and green. And I was standing right next to him. And Tiger Woods hit a shot. He knocked it on the green. And then as he walked to the green, he was twirling his club like a baton. And the guy with the camera put the camera down. I literally said to this guy, there's gold walking at you right now. There's this, this little kid who just hit the green flipping this, you know, he was like, I was only interested in the shot. I was like, okay, you know, well, that, but I'll never forget the picture. Your cameraman instinct. You would have taken that picture until he stopped doing that. Absolutely. That was the good part of it. This was a kid. It was, it was like, yeah. What's the guy in the front at the Michigan university of Michigan band? What do they call that person? I, yeah, the, the, uh, yeah, <laughs> the baton the maestro, yeah. But that was the year Ben Crenshaw won, and I was down there uh, on business. The uh, one of the firms that I was associated with took a bunch of people down, and they rented a house, and we had a big barbecue. So there was probably twenty-five of us in this house the night before at a party. Maybe eight or twelve of us stayed there. <clears throat> but at this party, we're all telling jokes, and everybody's laughing like crazy. And somebody gets the right, the bright idea. Everybody throw twenty dollars in a pot, and the first person that runs into someone they know at the Masters wins the whole thing. Tom, the guy who brought us down there, accuses me of coming up with that idea, which is not that far from the truth, because I knew a lot of guys who were going. So we all get in there. There's like twenty five of us. Where do you want to go? We walk past the driving range, and within four minutes. Hey, Billy, how you doing? Guy I knew from, from Bronxville. I was like, that's about two grand in, in the hat pool. <laughs> that was in 1995. 95, yeah. <clears throat> we went and played golf somewhere else while we were down there. You know, it was a great trip. But yeah. I remember Crenshaw winning, and I thought that was that was really cool. 
so you went to the practice round. I went five years later on business. And um, but the way we did it is we would have two client, uh, um, three client events. Each were two days. And so you'd have, uh, and we had houses. I told people, I said, you get free tickets to the Masters. You're about 10% of the way there, right? You know this because you've been there. Okay. You got tickets. That's great. You're in New York. You got tickets. What are you going to do about travel? About travel. Okay. I think one of the best things to do is uh, fly to Atlanta, get the car, drive two hours, spend the day there, and then you leave. Because now you don't need to have a hotel, which is right. impossible. Food. You think you're just going to walk in any one of those restaurants? You're going to wait three or four hours. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. So we went. We had we had this planning organization rent. Um, I don't know how many it was. Let's say it was 21 houses. So we had, they're all four bedroom colonials, 10 minutes from Augusta. Those people left and they went to Disney World for the week and they all had tickets. They all had four tickets. We'd have breakfast for them. And, and at breakfast, we'd give them 20 bucks. And they'd say, what's that for? Well, we're going to take a van over. That's another problem you don't have to worry about. The van's going to take us over like a stretch limo, drop us right by the front door. And we go in eight o'clock. That's when they open up. Not before eight, not 7.55. Right. No running. Don't just because you got in at eight. No running. Anyway, so what's the $20 for? <laughs> oh, it's lunch. All right. Tuesday, Wednesday group. Yeah. It's lunch for both days. What? Yeah. $20. Mental sandwich is $1.50. Chicken sandwich is $2. Everybody said, oh, that's great. And they had money left over after the two days were there because it didn't cost that much for lunch. But that uh, pro shop that was like six football fields long in every direction. All the tents, yeah. The big, big pro shop. Yeah. The one client I went with, he's from uh, England. He said, Bob, first thing we got to do is go in the pro shop. I said, why? He says, sometimes, and this is Tuesday, Wednesday. The first group, he said, sometimes they run out of stuff. Okay, so we went in there and we bought everything and they make it easy. They let you take your shopping bags and put them in a little spot and you get a ticket so you don't have to walk around with it. But that was my first experience. And I said to people, look, I went first class. The company I worked for had a house for us in the morning. They had someone came in in the morning and cooked everybody breakfast. So no worries about breakfast. Yeah, same thing and with me. Take us over to the place. We had 20 bucks for lunch. And then the, the extra house that we had was catering. What, what do you need catering for? Well, after Tuesday night, we hosted a customer dinner and drinks and stuff like that. So they didn't have to go all over Augusta finding a, you know, a Jolly Rancher restaurant for $1.99 steak. Right, they set up there. Yeah, we'd have it there. And then we had Mark Kalkovecchia talk to them about it or, you know, some of these guys, Duffy Waldorf, the fun guys that were there. So that was my experience and i got to be there the whole week so i was there to greet the customers the first event which was tuesday wednesday second event would be the first two days of the tournament thursday friday and then saturday sunday and it was unbelievable and i didn't really appreciate augusta until i got to go uh two years later with same same exact thing and i said this time i'm going to walk every inch of that property and i did yeah i walked all the time and I realized one thing, there's not a flat plate, even the table, no flat, no. Flat. even the tables, there's not a flat spot there. And I remember seeing a booth set up that said that paid uh, $5 per weed that you brought in and there was no one at the booth, you know, because there's no weeds. 
Did you ever talk to any of the people that were marshals there or any of the volunteers? I don't remember any discussions. I, I, you know, I was with a whole lot of people, but I was by myself a lot of the day. I remember seeing Tom Watson. I made eye contact with Tom Watson on the sixth hole on the par three. He was thinking it over and I was standing, you know, right there. This was the first round. So, um, he was, he was thinking and he looked in my direction. I made direct eye contact with him. I swear to God, we were looking at each other for he was looking through 10 your seconds and I'm rooting for him. He was looking I, at the top of your head to see which way the wind was blowing. Yeah. But he knocked it stiff and I was like, I did that. I, Actually, uh, <laughs> I met a woman that had the hat on because they wore kind of construction hard hats. They they thought of everything there. They just everything. And if they hadn't well, thought no. of it that year, the next year they would implement. Right, they do it right. They said, so well, many... I can't get a napkin. Oh, sir, there's no white napkins at Augusta National on the golf course. I said, why not? He said, it doesn't look good on TV. There you go. So the... But think of some of the moments you've seen on TV. The one that always sticks in my mind was... Uh... Uh, Matt Kuchar's hole in one on 16. He was so happy. He was happy. Obviously, that's a, an amazing thing about golf. It doesn't matter if it's your worst enemy. You see a hole in one, everybody has the same reaction. Your caddy, his caddy, the other guy, everybody thinks it's great. And Kuchar was, and the crowd behind him, and Kuchar turned around, and one of the guys behind him was cheering, and he took the, the, the fan's hat off and threw it. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was really good. That's just like such an open, honest, hey, you know, no holds barred reaction, which has to be a memory that he'll always have. A hole in one at Augusta, a hole in one at Augusta, a hole in one at Augusta during the Masters. I mean, think of that. I saw him play the fourth hole, the hole you referred to earlier, the long part three. And I guess he was a little tight. Maybe it was the first time he played the golf course, the first time he played the fourth hole, and he cold shanked it. If you remember, to the right is like nothing over there. And he just right. cold shanked it up against whatever was over there. I'm like, ooh, it wasn't in it wasn't it wasn't a practice round. But I also remember so back to the the volunteer, I talked to this woman. She wasn't a very tall woman, but she was very cheery. And I said, Oh, do you like volunteering? She said, oh, yeah. I've been a volunteer here for 28 years. To, uh, this is my 28th year. Wow. She these, and she was just to the right, about 100 yards short of the 13th hole, the par five, that not very long par five. Right. Somebody laid up, she would be right there somewhere within 10 or 20 yards off to the right. But you could also see people coming down 14 where she was. She says, very few volunteer spots turn over. You know, like the, like, the, like, uh, like a waiter at Peter at, Luger's. At Luger's, yeah. <laughs> waiter, waiter at Peter Luger's isn't turning over. And yeah, it's like he's, he's selling his seat on the stock exchange. Yeah. <laughs> what other memories do you have? I remember Sandy Lyle. You know, I was at a party with a bunch of people. And I don't remember the years, but there were two, two years back to back where I watched Sunday with my parents down at a sea island and you know as much as i loved watching the masters i also wanted to be out playing so we were kind of mixing things up and the masters was always on it's just such a peaceful thing to have in in your house going on even if you don't sit there glued to the tv it's just a great backdrop and the, and the mood that it creates i remember one year I, I took my two sons to play golf 
on Sunday and we were recording the masters. So I was avoiding all contact with it. And we come off 18 and my son, Neil sees it Simonoy through the window at the grill. Oh, uh, so-and-so's in first place. I was like, <laughs> so that was funny. It was worth taking the guys out to play, but the, uh, the delayed taping was spoiler alert, spoiler alert. I forget who was leading at the time, but it, it's so, it's so Easter like in its, it transcends golf. It literally transcends golf because it's such an experience that so many people who aren't anywhere near it are get are thrilled by. You know, different than a Super Bowl, which is a slap bang dang ding. This is a you know, a four day culmination of you know, I, I, it's it's golf heaven for fans and I guarantee it for players alike. Well, I don't know. It's got to be. It's got to be as esteemed as it is because that course is such a great design by uh, Alistair McKenzie and Bobby Jones, and so thoughtful. For for decades, if you asked anybody where's their first, you know, their wish list, they say Augusta. Augusta had no rough. You know, there was no U.S. Open conditions uh, afflicted on it. It was. You might have bad angles bad lines or trees but you're not going to have a bad lie pretty much anywhere on that golf course and well, that i think right. was mckenzie's design well you're right but it does us, you know if you want to compare augusta national to wingfoot which is a stretch where it would compare is when you're out of position on a green or you're out of position and you miss the green so for right. example short siding yeah absolutely right of the bunker on 10 west at wingfoot and the pin is anywhere from the middle down to the front. You're very much out of position. You almost have to play up top to the fat of the green because you might have trouble out of the rough holding that. What's and it's, it? Yeah, and it's so thin. You'll be you'll be playing knockout. in the bunker. Yeah. So you basically got to concede and go to plan B and try to make a, a nice two putt for a bogey. Whereas the same thing, I don't know, you know, you can oh gosh there's uh, well let's say that third hole right that little drivable par four if they want to if you're in the wrong position above that hole holy cow well, the risk rewards in mckenzie design his book the spirit of saint andrew he, he explains a lot of he believed that everybody should be able to play every golf hole it, it, it should be an interesting test for whatever caliber you are so he would argue against long carries. He says the low, the low handicap doesn't see him and the high handicap, it ruins his day. So there's, you know, in fact, there was one example where he went back to a course that they had talked to him about earlier. Now he had become a famous designer. They brought him back to look at it and he gets to a hole and he says, I don't recall that bunker way out there, way right, way out there. And they said, well, we put that there to punish the man who hits it far right. And Mackenzie said, if he hits it that far right, you should be sorry for him. <laughs> yeah. Which makes sense. It's like the, he was different from, say, C.B. McDonald, who had a penal or Pete Dye. They have, they, they have a penal approach, which is legitimate. And a lot of people love it. The bunkers you can't get out of, so don't go in them and that kind of stuff. But Mackenzie said, you know, you should never have a lost ball. Never, if it's avoidable. And the only time a long carry is worth it, like at Cyprus, is when the reward is so enthralling that if it costs you a ball or two in your lifetime, it's worth it. 
But even then, you should provide a way around that carry for the people who can't carry it. Kind of so hard. He had a great understanding of, of golf and, and not just making the shots, but the mental aspect that went into it, the health, the freedom of swing, all of that was in. He was a doctor who retired because the patients that he told to go out and get fresh air played golf, never came back. So he thought he could do more for people's health by designing golf courses. Well, that's the thing about Augusta is you, you don't really, I'm just thinking the out of bounds is really not a factor. And that's another similarity to Wingfoot. But if you think of the average golfer, say an 8, 10, 12, 14, 15 handicapper, playing Augusta, you can see them playing all the holes up until about nine. Now, if you can't hit a big enough shot, you're going to be up high to that small green. You're not hitting a nine or a wedge like most of those no. or sandwich. You're going to be hitting a hybrid. That's a scary target. A 10, same thing. You're going to be up high, hitting two up high again, a long club. An, an 11, I think is different. I think 11, a good, uh, a mid-sized handicapper is going to play that as a par five. You're going to play two down to the right. If you're lucky, you've got that easy chip shot and hopefully you don't skull it into the lake and make an eight. But then the other, <laughs> other hole that's terrifying for us would be 15 because you can't get home in two and you yeah. then have to lay up. And even the pros say it's the toughest third shot. It's a tough layup, yeah. So most of those holes, with the exception of those three or four, are holes that people can make pars or bogeys on. And that, you know. Well, that's true. That's true with Wingfoot, too. The, the difference is, in, it literally, aside from the design and, and the history of the different styles, as far as the way the golf course plays, Wingfoot has rough. Augusta, Augusta now has rough, but it never did before. That's just two different things. All courses, some courses, have, uh, I, the ones in Ireland have Heather. That you know, there's different there's different ways of approaching that. The rough, so I'm not... the rough at Augusta though, will make the player think he can do something that he can't because it's. Well, gonna... you're never going to see this kind of U.S. No, Open rough at Augusta. It's going to be just enough that that froggy. It's, rough. Yeah, it's like first cut the ball, and it's yeah. going to take the spin off of it. And you try to hit a shot out of that rough into nine. You either get something that rolls a lot, or you might get a flyer. And being over nine, is oh yeah, then you're you're gonna. That's like being over eleven at Shinnecock. It's the hardest hole at Augusta. I mean, ten at Shinnecock. I've never played Augusta, so but I wouldn't. It on TV, what do you think is the hardest hole for a more uh, you know an amateur? You know, uh, uh, somebody who shoots seventy-five to ninety. Somebody 12, Twelve seems to give them all nightmares. I <laughs> imagined shortest hole in the course, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at what happened to Jordan Spieth there. He was about to be Superman, and then it was like, bang, one one whole goodbye, Jordan. For that, still got to hurt him, even though he's Jordan Spieth, and it seems like things that all rolls off him like water off a duck, which is which so, is fun to watch. That's why he's fun to watch. Didn't Tony Fino have a chance, and he put it in the water? A lot of these I think guys so. A lot of the guys do. I know they all go to that tee if they're in contention, thinking, "Don't hit this in the water." <laughs> what, what was it? Uh, was that the hole that Couples came up short? Yeah, Couples ball did not go in the water, and Didn't that go helped in them win. And, yeah, and it helped. That them was win. the miracle. That yeah. was the miracle. Jim Nance talks about that, and and that I remember that moment too because that that's an example of how relaxed Freddie Couples came across. He hits that wedge, basically lets go with one hand, yeah. 
And basically, as the ball's landing on the green, he turns around and starts fishing a ball out of the water behind him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what, what, what is he? He think he, maybe in case I knock one in the water on 13, I'll, I'll have it spare. That was just, yeah, that was just 12, so good to watch. 12 at Augusta is like, if you see somebody on TV and they look thin, like if you think of Dan Hicks, we know Dan Hicks, we see him at Wingfoot. He's super thin when you see him in the flesh. Right. He makes you look a little bigger. And I think it does that. To yeah, 12. they say it adds 10 pounds. But when we would go play, if you and I teed it up on 12 at Augusta right now, we'd say, holy cow, there's a bath, <laughs> there's just a bathtub with over that bunker. Yeah. And and you'd say, there's no, there's no green there. There's nothing to hit. There's nothing to hit. It's worse than. Because it's a visual thing. 13 East, right? Pardon? 13 East. Yeah, same, same idea with no pond. Right. Well, the pond or the <laughs> or the beach. You or got the beach. A bunker down there. If you're not a good bunker player, you'd be all there all day. Uh, yeah, so... but there's so much history there. I, rem I remember uh, 1986 sticks in my mind watching Nicholas and Watson. People, because Nicholas won, people forgot how close in contention Watson was throughout that whole thing. Yes. They were going bang, bang with each other. I thought that was great to watch. I I loved it that Nicholas won. He was my mother's favorite player, and you know that made her day. Obviously, the but it was great for the game. Peterson didn't caddy for him. The caddy at uh, the Masters caddy, we won all his other majors there with. Uh, it was his son caddying for him that year. Yeah, yeah, Jackie. Or was it Jackie? Jackie. Yep. Yeah. But they they had to catch up to Nicholas. Nicholas kind of snuck in. I think he birdied maybe nine and ten. I don't know all the birdies he had, but he kind of came up that leaderboard all up quick. And I'm yeah. Somebody said in that tower, maybe it was Tricani. Hey, you better start following talking about Nicholas. He's gonna yeah, because he was like four or five under, I think, right? Yeah. But that's I, I don't remember the details. I watched a you know a synopsis of it maybe two months ago. And I, as I mentioned to Matt Venturi when we spoke, it was so great to hear Ken Venturi's voice again, uh calling that, you know. It, that was such a staple that the whole thing is uh, is is almost more a tradition for the non-golfer than it is for the golfer. And maybe that's the beauty of Jim Nance. Maybe Jim Nance is the straight man for the the wonderful voice that uh, Venturi had. Jim Nance has got a great voice. Yep. He kind of set up Venturi by the pauses or the the question to open. Yeah. No, they no question a, a marriage that worked. And I think a lot has to be said. I mean, Longhurst was my first recollection of an of an Englishman, right? And then Ben Wright and others. Ben Wright, yeah. And that was there for a reason. It was a different type of voice, please right. hear. And um, you know, uh, Peter Rooster, uh, you know, all these people are part of what I call the CBS chorus. They have a yep. chorus. NBC has a chorus too. They do it very yeah, Hick, Dan Hicks and Nick Faldo were much the same as Nance and uh, Venturi on their own way. And and yeah. And Johnny and, Miller, you know. You know, and the whole crew working at both of these networks have really understood that it's much like going to a Broadway uh, musical. It's not just the golf, like we learned from Chicaning. Chicaning would tell uh, Venturi, the TV's there. You don't have to talk about the obvious, right? And, right. you know, she was, you, you know, one thing I'd like to ask a commentator is 
did you have four or five things to say on every situation and you had to pick the best one? Right. You, know, you were never, ever uh, short on what you could say in a particular spot. Like, what's his name? Um, uh, in your life, you know, Vern Lundquist, right? Yep. And and uh, just great. The Well, and some of them, you know, you can tell the ones that are kind of rehearsed or staged a little bit comments, but the legitimate excitement Better than most, better than most. I mean, how can you beat that? That's what we're doing at home. Holy God, that might go in, that might go in, you know? And oh, you see those shots at Augusta and you're rooting for those shots at Augusta. Everybody's rooting for them. And again, I'll say it, the, the fans probably like the masters more than the players. It's, it's, oh, it's, I think so. It's candy think players like going to, they go to an event and they have a bit of bit more freedom. They go to the Honda Classic here, or they go to um, you know in Texas the Valero Open. They're the big they're the big folks on campus, right? Yep. And and, and they basically can do what they want to. That's a totally different story when they go to Augusta. There's some things to abide by there. Well, plus in the viewers, it's like the Godfather. You might not intend to watch the Godfather, but if you come across it on TV, it's very difficult not to watch it. You come across a you know a, a golf tournament on Saturday. You might watch. You might not. If it's the Masters, you're going to stop and watch. It's hard. To, it doesn't matter who's hitting it. That course just invites visual stimulation. It's. I I would I would love to play there someday. Anybody out there? Yeah, me too. That's the only <laughs> course I'm getting up and taking my bag my golf bag on the road for right now. I don't have any other courses that I would go to. That is one of them. I've been fortunate to play a lot of these other ones, and uh, like you. But the yeah, a friend of mine told me years ago. He goes, "Do you ever play Augusta?" I said, "No." You? He said, "Well, I got invited once, uh, but I had to work that day." I said, "You didn't quit your job? <laughs> Seriously? You got you know? One day? Yeah, it'll happen. And, and if not, you know, so what? I, I you know." I've been privileged enough to play Wingfoot a couple thousand times, so I wouldn't trade those for a trip to Augusta. One thing I'll tell you is that when I went and came back and people knew I went there, they said, who'd you watch? Who'd you follow around? What player did you get to see? All these kinds of questions. I said to them, you don't understand. I live in Westchester County back then, 20 years ago. I said, we have the Westchester Classic. I can go see anybody I want to and be this close to them. And there aren't, you know, I said, I went there for one reason. I went there to see every inch of that golf course. Me too. I went and to I see walked, the I walked it the same way. I wish I, yeah. I wanted to see the dogwoods. I wanted to see those things that weren't showed to you on TV. Pretty much you see everything. They did such a great job of depicting that property. Um, I wanted to go up close and see as much as I could about Ray's Creek. I wanted to see the elevations and and uh, I probably did 10 rounds of golf on that and two different trips there because I made myself go around. And it's very easy, unlike a lot of other places, to be a spectator. They, they really make it easy. And even when you come in in the morning and you come in with a chair, what do you do? You throw it over there in the 16th hole and it's there when you come back six hours later. Nobody's messed with it. You could leave $1,000 on your chair and there might be $1,200 when you get there. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a little like uh, at the racetrack when you put your racing form on the seat. Yeah, it's understood. Nobody takes that. So you don't know what's going to come back and be a, you know, object. So 
Well, it's different grass. They do get a lot of help. Um, other greenskeepers, superintendents from other places come in. And I think that's a treat too. Oh, I'm yeah, and the azaleas, the color. I'm there for two weeks doing the second hole, you know, because again, it's a chorus. The 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 coordination. It's the a work of art that they preserve with the, the hands of artists. It, it really is. It's just, you know, I I have to say, Wingfoot, the condition and everything is is great all the time, and it's a wonderful venue to play golf. But they don't have to deal as much with you know freezing the azaleas so they bloom at the right time and stuff like that. So these people are into what Augusta looks like. And that's why it looks like it does. Well, I think Augusta is a forerunner too of top golf courses and what they should do. The sub air. I don't yeah. know anybody that had sub air um, prior to um, learning about that. Um, you know, they did that. Well, they have money to do that. Not everybody has money to do that. But that that, that makes that Mona Lisa that they have there, the Mona Lisa for since what, 1934? Yeah, exactly. Gosh. You know, they had two, two or three years during the war. They didn't play it. You know, Claude Harmon played in that event so many times and won it. But he finished very well a number of times and uh, against very heavy competition. And here's a guy, what did he do? He went down to Seminole, the winter time, sort of time, this time of year, he'd get his car packed up with his four children or six children, how many he had at the time, right? And they would go north. Yep. And they would uh, pull up at Augusta and dad's gonna go play golf this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, he probably did well at Augusta. I'm sure the greens at Wingfoot helped. Yes. Yes, he, he, you know, a lot of pros, you need imagination and creativity, um, but more so on greens at some places than others. And Augusta, you have to be able to turn your back on the whole. It's a work of art that they preserve with the, the hands of artists. It, it really is. It's just thanks for joining Billy us Casper, today. Billy Horner. We really appreciate your Double feedback. Indemnity. And please. Marky. Subscribe to the Two show Adder. and hit Claude the bell icon so you get notified Movie classics. of new episodes. Mark Gable. Hit them hard job. and hit them off. That's 36 holes.